When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I'm Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan handled Purdue relatively easily to win its second straight Big Ten championship in Indianapolis this past weekend and are now headed to the college football playoff at 13-0 where they will face TCU. We talk about all that coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, good to be with you here Monday morning, December 5th. Uh, and I, I really mean that. You guys, I mean, there was no guarantee you were you were ever getting back from Indianapolis. Sound like you had a rough trip home. We actually, we split up this trip. Uh, and I mean, I am, I have to say, I am glad we did because I, I was back much earlier than you guys. Happy that you're here though. I have rented probably hundreds of rental cars in my life between job and everything else. And the two of the last like four, I've had tire issues. Uh, the trip to Iowa last October had a tire issue, uh, like a slow leak. And was able to make it back to the Des Moines airport from Cedar Rapids, which is a couple hour drive across the state, just fine. This time we're driving back from Indianapolis and we get about three quarters of the way back to Ann Arbor, uh, Defiance, Ohio, for those of you familiar. And we hit the, uh, the, the light comes on in the car, you know, it says low tire, low tire pressure. I think it was 24 out of, it should have been what, 32 or 34. I'm thinking, oh boy, maybe this is a slow leak because I didn't, I don't, I didn't think I hit a pothole. I don't think I hit anything. Um, and as we're driving along, it's kind of rural Ohio, middle Ohio, and there's no exits nearby or there's no, like no places to really stop off. And the next nearest town was Defiance, which I think it was 11 miles away at that point. And I looked, I look over at Ryan, I'm thinking, oh man, and we're driving along and the tire pressure keeps dropping and it keeps dropping. Go, it was, a, oh, it was a countdown. He was counting down the, the tire pressure dropping every like <laughs> the reading. Yeah, like 30 seconds. 25, 24, <laughs> 20. I'm like, I don't know if we're going to get off the highway here. Uh, and we did get to Defiance. We got off and there's, you know, there's like a mire and there's, you know, stores and stuff. So we, we make it off the ramp. And I think it was at like three at that point. So I'm like slow in it, like slow driving it to the, uh, the Meyer gas station. We get there and uh, it took a few hours. We got the tire changed. We had to call and get some help from AAA. But we uh, luckily I had AAA because the the rental car company was of no help at all. They wanted to like tow us to the Detroit airport and then like, but then like no the, we never problem. heard back from them. So it was like, well, good thing we had AAA and they just put came and put on the spare tire after. Uh, yeah, I mean, Aaron and I tried for a little bit, and I think one of them had a lock nut on it, so we couldn't get that one, and it's just like, it's freezing cold, we didn't have any, enough cold gear on us, it was, uh, 
Yeah, I, I I had enough of Aaron for for a while now. I'm glad we don't have to go to the bowl game until until uh, December 31st. I'm just yes. kidding, buddy. <laughs> yes, yes. You guys are nice and warm now, though. I'm here in my home, you know, freezing as as the heat has stopped working. But we're we're getting that sorted out here. It's forced me to move to a different location uh, within the home for the recording of today's podcast. But hey, we're we're you know six minutes in here. Let's let's talk some Michigan football. Uh, I just you know the first thing that jumps to mind is one of the is one of the first major things that happened in this game against Iowa, um, Michigan's eventual forty three to twenty two win. It was on our you know roundtable chat before the game. You know what was something we wanted to see from Michigan? You know that would inspire more confidence going in. You know to to the playoff, and we all said you know, basically like deep ball passing. Like we saw it against Ohio State, but it was more like scheme. You know, guys got wide open. Let's see, you know, if, if you can't get those matchup advantages, uh, you know, actual, you know, some nice one-on-one plays down the field or, or even just a continuation of what happened. You know, prove it wasn't a fluke, I guess. Very first touchdown of the game, uh, you know, less than six minutes in, uh, Colston Loveland goes up, you know, between two other Purdue defenders. And makes a makes a contested catch for a long touchdown. It's like, well, I guess we could pack up and go home. We saw what we wanted to see. It, yeah, we we saw it. And Colston, I mean, he's been a like a emerging story the last gosh what the last four or five games now. He's really become a big part of the offense. They feel confident throwing him the ball. He's catching things. He's not dropping balls. I mean, remember, I can remember when they first kind of integrated Eric All into the offense, and we heard so many good things about him in practice and in camp and everything else. And he was dropping passes. That has been the case with Loveland. I mean, everything that's been thrown his way, he's generally caught. Uh, he's been reliable, and and it's been uh, one of the bigger surprises, I think, on the offensive side of the ball this year. Um, you know, Michigan's done a very good job at developing tight ends under Jim Harbaugh in the last you know several years. He seems to be another case where I think he could eventually be very, very good. I, I think this week, I think we after the game on Saturday night, Luke Schoonmaker was asked about him, and he said, "Yeah, he reminds me of of Jake Butt." Uh, he's and that's that, that he's not the only one that's, that's drawn that comparison. So Loveland has become a big part of the offense. I think he will continue to be a big part of one. And like you said, he just went up and made a contested catch. Michigan needs more of that, uh, and they were able to get it at least early on. It's kind of funny we're, we're talking about this because I remember when, when Loveland was in high school, I, I uh, spoke with this high school coach of, uh, about a story on him when I'm heading into a senior season. Um, and, and the head coach is a re- really nice guy. And he would send me like highlights throughout the year of, of Loveland just going up and, and mossing guys. I'm like, I mean, they, on tape, it looked really impressive, but it's like, all right, you're going up against high school kids in Idaho. I mean, will it translate to the college level? And I think we're starting to see that now. Um, I mean, he is a, a pretty freakish athlete for, for being 18 years old. And I mean, yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot of college career left ahead of him, and I think Michigan has found a good one—a a three-star prospect from Idaho who um, who seemed to go under the radar and, and could be an impact player here for for years to come. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, happy to just sort of open the floor here to, to talk more about exactly what happened. You guys maybe are, are are talked out, you know, between the two of you as far as your travels. You've probably broken down every single play from this game, but uh, I haven't, you know, fully heard your your thoughts. Uh, I'll, I'll throw in one another thing: the second half. I mean, this is this is just now. I mean, it's it's just been incredible what Michigan has done in the second half, and especially in these big games. Let's go through, you know, their four biggest games of the season, Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, and now Purdue in the Big Ten Championship. Penn State, Michigan is up 16 to 14 at half. They win by 24 points. Michigan State, Michigan is up 
13 to seven and a half, still very much a game. They win by 22. Ohio State, they trail 2017 and a half. They win by 22. And now this past Saturday, Michigan leads just by one, 14, 13 and a half, and wins by 21. I mean, how, how do you explain this? Oh, I, I, it's execution partly. I mean, the players are obviously making the big plays. Again, Donovan Edwards in the second half, uh, that 60-yard carry, 27-yard. I thought that was maybe almost more impressive than the long one, the 27-yard touchdown run he had, just breaking all those tackles. But I think maybe more so than anything, it's the, it's the X's and O's and the scheme and the adjustments from the coaching staff. They've kind of gone under the radar a little bit. I mean, we've talked a lot about the second half adjustments on defense all season long, but just the way that Michigan has changed um, just the, the approach. I, I can remember the Ohio State after the Ohio State game, they said that uh, Michigan did a, uh, they changed up the blocking scheme with the offensive line in the second half. And I think that's kind of what helped open up some of those holes for Donovan Edwards. It's probably just, it looked like the similar situation Saturday against Purdue. They're just out scheming the other teams. That comes with coaching and IQ and experience. And I think. Sharon Moore, Matt Weiss, Jesse Minter, Steve Klingscale deserve a ton of credit for this, the job that they've done. I mean, the preparation for the Ohio State game we talked about, um, Purdue, I mean, I think many of us expected Michigan to do that. Um, but to go from, again, another close game where, yes, they were leading at halftime, but they were getting beaten on the stat sheet to, you know, in a way, flipping that game in the second half and, and making the most of those big plays and turning the game kind of upside down rather quickly again. Yeah, and I think they've they've done a good job too of, of having a couple of big plays early, gaining that momentum, and, and not really relinquishing it. I mean, that Donovan Edwards run on the first play of the second half—it's <laughs> you see him juke that that Purdue guy. And it, I mean, if you're on the sidelines, you've got to be like, "Oh my, like let's go!" <laughs> like that—that that was, I mean, geez, oh, Pete's like that was that might have been the the best. I mean, Blake Torms had a few this year, but that one was just insane. And you get sixty yards on the first play of the half. And you go down and score a touchdown. I mean, that's got to be really deflating for the opponent. And, and Michigan has re- done a really good job of kind of building off that momentum throughout the second half. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it really has been impressive because really, in the first half, I kind of thought Michigan was kind of lucky to to be ahead. Purdue was moving the ball. Um, their defense made made it a couple big plays, and it's like wow. I mean, Michigan's leading this, but man, I mean, produced out over 200 yards of offense. Aiden O'Connell's looking pretty good. Charlie Jones is like, Michigan had no answer for him. I mean, really in the second half either, but, um, geez, yeah, it was, uh, it was looking like Michigan could be in a dogfight in the second half and then, um, kind of stored early and was able to put them away late. Yes. And, you know, the defense, uh, you know, getting a couple of interceptions, um, certainly help. Uh, I will give, I will give Ryan, uh, you know, Ryan Zook credit for uh, jumping on that. You know, he 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 predicted that you know Michigan would uh, you know get a couple of takeaways in this game, and and they did. Because um, in the end, you know, Purdue Purdue put up a pretty good fight. I mean, O'Connell throws three hundred sixty six yards. Um, the offense in general four hundred fifty six, which is you know significantly more than Michigan had in this game. But um, you know, too many. Too many field goals uh, for Purdue. You know, they set set a record, <laughs> you know, with with the number of made field goals in the Big Ten championship, and that's not necessarily a record you want to have. Um, but yeah, I was I was excited about Purdue going into this game, like that it was a, a fresh opponent for Michigan um, and one that would would test them and and try to play aggressively. I thought their I thought their decisions to go for at least you know that one field goal late was probably a little too conservative. But in general, just opening up the offense. You know, doing things that Iowa was never going to do. For example, they didn't do in last year's game. They didn't do in against Michigan in the regular season this year, and they wouldn't have done. You know, if they had beat Nebraska and and been in this game this year. So, uh, 
at least it was exciting from from that standpoint to see from Purdue, but Michigan was just the better team. Yeah, per- Purdue just put up a better fight than Iowa last year. I mean, I think everyone wanted to compare to the, the game and the, the blowout last year, and at least, yeah, they made it competitive. They were able to at least move the football and put points on the board. And I think some of us expected that just based on what we've seen kind of the season play out. Michigan has played a rather lackadaisical first half at times where they they kind of let the let the you know team kind of do about go about what they want to do. I think that goes in a way and part of partly it goes into what their their mo. They're trying to read what the opponent's doing and they adjust at halftime um, and, and everything else. But I, I I don't know if we plan on talking about this, but I wanted to bring up Will Johnson too. I mean, he had two interceptions, his second straight back to back starts, and part of me wonders and. I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on this, but has he? do you guys think he's won the, the starting job? I mean, permanently. I mean, we kind of saw a, def, a defensive back come on last year, Rod Moore, and win the starting job, and that's carried over into this year. Um, Will Johnson, two interceptions on Saturday. He was. It seemed like he was in the right place at the right time So many, in so many situations. Um, has he beaten out Jamon Green for the starting that, that other starting kind of corner, corner job? I mean, yeah, I think that's been pretty evident the past two weeks. He played um, – I think Jamon only saw a few snaps against Ohio State. Will Johnson was top top three or four on the defense in, against Ohio State. I haven't looked too closely uh, on this past uh, for this past game, but yeah, Will seemed like he was out there a lot. I didn't see much of Jamon Green, um, so it, and I think they even met when um, when um, DJ Turner went out for a little bit too. They put put uh, Will Johnson on Charlie Jones too, and um, yeah, that one interception was great man coverage. Um, kind of turned his head around and got a beat on the ball and, and picked him off in, in the red zone, which was was a huge turning point in the game. And the second one on that in-breaking route, I mean, just the anticipation there and, and quick break on the ball to to get that pick. I mean, that's that's high-level stuff from, from a young kid. And, yeah, I, I mean, I would be shocked to see if he somehow isn't on the field as a, as a starting cornerback for, for the playoff game. I mean, much has been made about Michigan's um... – you know the the unheralded recruits. You know playing playing maybe above their their talent level in Michigan being you know a true a true team. Um, you know in every sense of the word. But you know they've got some they've got some elite prospects on this team. Um, you know some five star talent in there. They're now playing with like it. Um, I mean in that Big Ten championship you really saw it. JJ McCarthy, uh, Will Johnson, and Donovan Edwards. Now correct me if I'm wrong, Zuke. I, I think he was technically a four star in in the composite. He's a force, but he's top right. top okay. fifty. So those are the only three guys that are that are top fifty on this roster. Is that is that correct, or at least? Yeah, Junior Colson was a top one hundred. Um, so he was made an impact as a freshman. He's still, um, still the key part of the defense as a sophomore. So yeah, a lot of everyone's yeah. You still need to get some highly ranked recruits because I mean they're the the pan out rate is is much higher than uh, than some of these uh, lower lower. Uh, recruits too so yeah right. i mean pe- people need to realize that too recruiting is important and you still need to get top guys as, as you've seen from some of these guys this year and you know michigan's success rate right now is at 100 percent. those three guys are all really really you know contributing uh late you know in some cases by you know due to, due to injury or whatever but um i don't know michigan hasn't missed a beat with with uh you know Edwards in the running game. Um, you know anything else that you know, we're, we're definitely going to talk about? You know what what this game uh, meant and and going forward. But you know anything else specifically from this game that impressed you? Because uh, you you could argue that going into this game it didn't really mean much to Michigan. They already knew that. You know I mean kind of where they uh, where they were going and you know with Georgia dominating their game. You know you knew they were going to be the one seed going to Atlanta. It sure seemed like Michigan was locked into that two three game in Phoenix probably against DZU. Uh, 
and yet they come out and they they still they still play really well. Yeah, I mean they they were probably no matter what, unless there was some type of major blowout. Purdue won by blowout, which was I think conceivable. But I mean Michigan, yeah, they were good. I think they weren't they weren't going to play their way out of it. Um, so I, I, in a way, it's kind of good. You know, if you're a player going into that game, I, I feel like maybe some of the pressure was off. And remember, they'd been in this they'd been in the position this position before. You know, they played in Indianapolis last year. They won it, so they knew kind of what to expect, the environment, and everything else. And I think they kind of played and and helped with that. Um, one takeaway I did have, and I don't know if it was uh, impressed me or not, but like just the fact that they used Khalil Mullings so much as number two back. Um, and part of me wonders where, C, you know, CJ Stokes was and we'd seen him in previous weeks. Um, we saw Mullings against Ohio state with that jump pass, but never really much with the run game. Um, I don't know if he's the concrete number two at this point. Jim Harbaugh hasn't been asked a question. Obviously there's bigger questions to ask at this point, but, uh, really curious to see where he goes going forward. I mean, remember he's been largely used as a linebacker. They, they toyed with him in the off season at running back. Um, he seems, he's obviously a bigger guy, so you can't really use him to, you know, break any big runs, but he, I mean, he can be used at the goal line. So anyway, he got two touchdowns because of it on Saturday, uh, clearly a career game for him. Um, but I'm real curious to see how they utilize him in the playoff, uh, later this, later this month. For now, he's a short yardage batch back. That's for sure. I mean, they've, they've shown that I, I will have a story on him coming, uh, Tuesday to get to talk to him. I'll be pretty briefly after the game and, uh, yeah, I mean that's you know he can he can certainly he's proven that he can succeed in in that role. So um, you know, would you like to see maybe even a little more? Yes, but every carry he has is one that Donovan Edwards doesn't. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. Michigan is is really is really rolling right now, and they will go you know into a Fiesta Bowl matchup as you know significant favorite against against a TCU team that I still think is underrated. But we will we will certainly dive in and, and learn more about them and and bring those uh uh nuggets to to our listeners and readers um you know over the next few weeks but um yeah early thoughts on 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 michigan's playoff draw the committee is a bunch of cowards for not putting michigan ohio state number two three but i'll I'll let air i'll let air know first here i would have probably done the same thing i I think tcu deserved to be three they they lost an overtime game i don't think they certainly didn't play their way out of the playoff um, you know, the, the committee has said in the past that they don't like to kind of hit rematches in the playoff. I don't know if I buy that idea because like, I, I think it should be ranked one through four based on who you think are the four best teams. Um, uh, but nonetheless, they, they got TCU. Um, we don't have a ton of Intel on them just yet, but I will say this, you know, we did talk to some of the player, a handful of the players on Sunday, uh, morning, I think, uh, time has gone way by me at this point we had the team hotel sunday and, and the players all talked up max duggan they they all got an opportunity to watch that big 12 championship game on saturday um the takeaway was that max duggan was super impressive ronnie bell said he was falling in and out of a nap saturday afternoon watching the game and it sounded like max duggan kept waking him up because he was making so many plays um so they were impressed by him i, I think tcu has it has an ex- they have an explosive ability i think they can move the football it's kind of like purdue in a way and they got some playmakers they got a super impressive quarterback. They can put points on the board. The question mark with TCU is the defense. They looked like they struggled tackling at point at, at, at times. Um, they're ranked in the bottom half, I think, of FBS in, in most of those key st- statistical numbers. And they play every team in the in the Big Twelve. Yes, yeah, so that's where I was just going. And then they play in the Big Twelve, where offenses reign supreme and defenses usually aren't very good. So. 
Um, I, I don't know. It's probably a more favorable matchup for, if you're for Michigan. If you're if you're a Michigan fan wanting to get to the national championship, I think you'd probably prefer playing TC, TCU over a rematch with with Ohio State. Um, nonetheless, I mean that's who they got. They're going to play them December 31st, uh, 4 p.m. kickoff in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, we'll have plenty of obviously coverage in the next couple of weeks. But the Michigan team is going to take the next week off. Players are. Um, they got finals this week. They've got they get to go home and see their families for the first time probably since August. And then the uh, the coaching staff uh, is going to hit the recruit, recruiting trail as well. Yeah, I mean TCU undefeated during the regular season, twelve and one, but really they haven't been dominant this year. I think eight or nine of their games have been decided by single digits. And we've talked about how Michigan's a second half team. Let's talk about TCU. I mean, they've had to come back in the second half five times this year. I mean, they were down seven points to Kansas, 14 points to Oklahoma State, 11 points to Kansas State, four points to Texas Tech, and eight points against Baylor, and all came back and went to win those games. So, I mean, for, yeah, it's been impressive that they've turned around from a five and seven season, but man, they have needed. Uh, They've been uh, the miracle team this year, it seems like, to to come back and remain unblemished. That's why, I mean, I look at Ohio State and outside that Michigan game and maybe Northwestern, they've been the much more dominant team, um, which I, I I probably would have put Ohio State at, at number three. Um, but, again, I'm not on the committee, and it still seems like a lot of people were consensus that TC should be three. It is what it is, but I think maybe you also should maybe reward Georgia for and give them maybe an easier path to the national championship, considering they're the defending national champions and uh, and undefeated again this year. But I, I, it is what it is, and it will be interesting because Michigan and TCU have never played each other before, so we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. A lot to break down there. I mean, first of all, so I mean, you're it sounds like you guys are saying it's going to be like you know. Both teams are going to be very happy with like 13, 13 and a half. They're both going to be like, all right, we got them right where they want them. Uh, we want them. And then, you know, who knows uh, what can happen <laughs> in the second half. I, I, I'm confused by your coward statement. What exactly what about the committee's decision was cowardly? What were they afraid of in your mind? What what I I, I, don't, I just think they're oh, well, you know, T, everyone thinks TCU, TCU should remain number three because they played in in, in the championship game and. Um, and you know, they 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 kept it there, but I think Don't I mean, punish them for being in a game when Ohio State wasn't right, you know, but you know, I mean, USC dropped from number four after getting blasted in the Pac 12 championship game, going from number four and dropping out of the 14 field. So, uh, yeah, that's just my, my my opinion. I know I'm in the minority here, and it is what it is, but um, and uh, yeah, I mean. TV ratings should matter. I mean, but hey, you know what? I shouldn't complain because Michigan TCU gets the four o'clock kick in Arizona, so which will really be a two o'clock kick on New Year's Eve. So, you know what? I'm happy about it. It's good, but it is. Uh, I would have gone a different way if I was on the committee. Well, the results of those games. I mean, Kansas State was ranked ten, I think, uh, going in, and and Utah was eleven. So it was kind of negligible there. But uh, you know, one team absolutely got dominated, uh, especially in the second half of, of their loss. And, you know, the other went lost in overtime. So yeah, yeah. I think, think, think there is a, a difference there against a team they had already beat, too, as opposed to you know, USC had also lost that game to that team. Um, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I had a lot of time to be on the phone during my, my drives uh, back and forth and you know, talking with my brothers. They actually, you know, kind of made me realize more from a national national picture like, don't necessarily look at it as a team getting jumped here in the last week. It's hard not to look at it that way because of the fact that they do put out weekly rankings, you know, so so they kind of 
they, they kind of tip their hand of, of where they're thinking at the time. But just think of it as like, all right, now the season is over. After Saturday, the season was over, and one team was, you know, you had you had a twelve and one TCU team, and a, an eleven and one Ohio State team, a twelve and two USC, and w- which of those are are better? You know, don't look at it as well. They were ahead of them, and then they had to play a game. Yep, well, yeah, they got jumped because they they lost that game. So like that that should should matter. Now, completely separate argument about the the you know whether these conference championship games what they mean it's silly that some play them some don't you know teams that make them teams don't it, it's but college football is just weird and i think you just have to embrace that weirdness and uh yeah i'm certainly happy that you know it's a again another fresh matchup two teams truly that have never played uh you know ohio state wants to get in uh they have to they have to go through georgia to kind of earn that rematch with with michigan um after getting blasted on their home field um in 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 their first try so uh yeah a lot a lot of storylines no matter what um you know potentially for the championship whether it's a a rematch with ohio state or a rematch from from last year's playoff against georgia but um yeah this should be a fun fun lead up to this game and we will be there we will be there in phoenix to to cover it all um, and we'll have plenty, plenty more coverage uh, on this podcast and on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening.